You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. We begin with breaking news. A major development in the search for two Port Alberni teens wanted in connection with three homicides in northern BC. Tanya Beja has the de details on a possible sighting of Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. Tanya, what can you tell us? Well, Colleen, up until now, the search for the two suspects has been focused in Gillam. Late this afternoon, Manitoba RCMP sent multiple teams to York Landing following a tip that Schmigelski and McLeod were seen in that community. Uh, York Landing is about 100 kilometres southwest of Gillam. It's a town of just under 500 people. We have been speaking to people on the ground there and they describe a heavy police presence, including a helicopter hovering above the community. What we're learning is that three members of the Bear Clan Volunteer Patrol uh, were in York Landing looking for the suspects. They spotted two men who looked like Schmigelski and McLeod scavenging for food in the landfill. And here is how their executive director, James Favel, describes what happened next. When they saw the two men, they thought maybe it was workers from the sewage treatment plant. But then they looked and they didn't see a truck that would be associated with that kind of activity. So then they refocused their uh, their attention on those guys by the garbage dump. When the guys at the garbage dump uh, recognized that they were spotted, they bolted across uh, the road towards the lagoon, then into a tree line and disappeared. Manitoba RCMP have not provided any recent updates since the search moved to York Landing. We are following this closely. What we know is that they are asking people who live in that region not to post any photos to social media, photos that would give away their location. And again, we are hoping for an update very soon. Colleen, back to you. All right. Thanks so much for that, Tanya. Now to where the focus of the manhunt has been for days. Sean O'Shea joins us from Gillam, Manitoba. Uh, apparently we are having some technical difficulties, but we will check in with Sean as soon as we can get him. In other news tonight, a serious multi-vehicle crash on the Trans-Canada Highway may have been the result of a vehicle going the wrong way. It happened early this morning. Up to five vehicles, including a semi-truck, were involved in the collision, which happened about one kilometer west of the Yale Road off-ramp. Police say it's believed one vehicle entered the highway going east on a westbound lane. One person was airlifted to hospital in serious condition. Two others were taken to hospital by ground ambulance. Their conditions are not known. No word if drugs or alcohol were factors in the crash. And traffic was rerouted for hours as police investigated the scene. In Kelowna, police are asking for your help to identify a vehicle involved in a hit and run yesterday morning. Emergency crews were called to the 800 block of Clifton Road just after 7 o'clock. A woman on a bicycle was struck from behind by a car that, was, that just kept going. The woman in her 50s was treated at the scene. Police believe the vehicle was a 10 to 15-year-old orange Infiniti FX35 or FX45. It likely has damage to the front passenger quarter panel and wheel well. If you have information, you're asked to please call Kelowna RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Tributes are pouring in for one of the victims of Friday's deadly float plane crash off the B.C. coast. Four people were killed and five others injured after a sea air flight crashed on a remote island about 100 kilometers off the northern tip of Vancouver Island. Jill Bennett has more. Investigators with the Transportation Safety Board are now on the ground in that remote area where the plane crashed on Friday. They, along with members of the RCMP, trying to determine the cause of the crash. 
The Cessna 208 caravan crashed Friday on Addenbrooke Island, a remote area north of Vancouver Island. The area is so rugged, the terrain is a challenge for investigators who are on the ground assessing the wreckage. The Sea Air flight was chartered from the Richmond float plane terminal. It was headed for Calvert Island, not far from where it crashed. Five survivors were lifted into a rescue helicopter and taken to Port Hardy for medical treatment. Two people in critical condition were then flown to Vancouver General Hospital. While there has been no official identification of the four people who died on social media, several tributes have been made for pilot Al McBain. One person writing, you died doing what you loved. Your skills certainly saved the five survivors. You will be missed greatly. Sea Airplanes is not confirming any details, but in a statement released Sunday said, we can confirm Al McBain has been a Sea Air pilot with the Sea Air family for several years. Out of respect for loved ones and emergency response authorities, Sea Air is not in the position to comment on the identities or the status of any of those involved in the accident. The company halted all flights following the crash, but after a safety audit, those flights resumed on Saturday. At this point, it's unclear just how long the investigation will take. Jill Bennett, Global News. To the growing firefight in the Similkameen Valley, the Richter Mountain Fire south of Coston has now been mapped at 400 hectares. As Shelby Tom reports, it's prompted an air quality advisory and a smoky skies bulletin. Nine helicopters scoop water from the Similkameen River in a repetitive and robust effort to fight the Richter Mountain wildfire. The 400-hectare lightning-caused blaze doubling in size since Saturday, burning out of control along Highway 3 south of Coston. Ten area properties remain under an evacuation alert. 100 firefighters battling this fire on the ground with additional resources on the way. We're trying to throw as much kind of people and resources at this fire as we can. Uh, we are in a fortunate position where we don't have a lot of other significant fires going on in the province right now, and so we're able to get additional resources out onto this fire. Power lines are on fire! The wind-driven fire flaring up early Friday morning, racing down the hillside as ranchers scrambled to save their properties. I think what really saved them is the wind was blowing that way. And I believe if it was blowing this way, it would have made a total disaster. From a perspective of the homes in the area, that Friday morning was the worst of it. We are now seeing that most of the growth is up and away from um, the properties that are down along the highway. The Ministry of Environment's Smoky Skies Bulletin, as well as the special air quality statement issued by Environment Canada, remains in effect today. Probably the biggest thing to do is to really pay attention to what your body is telling you. If you experience um, shortness of breath, uh, if you're not feeling well when you're in, in an area that's being exposed to smoke, stop or reduce your activity. But the fire isn't smoking out wine tourism. While at least one area winery was closed on Sunday, others took to social media to reassure customers that they're open for business as usual. I'd say just come on up, smoke's fine, there's nothing getting in your way. And there is little reprieve in the forecast as this hot and dry spell combined with shifting winds will continue to challenge firefighting efforts. Shelby Tom, Global News. Some of the spawning salmon saved from the Fraser River rock slide are being moved to the Fraser Valley Research Lab. The slide came down north of Big Bar last month, creating a five-meter waterfall, blocking the passage of the salmon. Crews have moved more than 500 fish to the other side of the slide using a helicopter. 
Fisheries officials say the first early Stewart sockeye have been transported to the Cultus Lake Research Lab as part of a pilot project for salmon enhancement operation. And the fish are being moved at night by truck in tanks filled with cold, oxygenated water. Animal rights activists held a demonstration in Vancouver today. They marched in silence from Emory Barnes Park to the Vancouver Art Gallery, calling on people to adopt a vegan lifestyle because of their concerns for the plight of animals. A vegan world would be our ultimate goal, where we, we just leave animals alone. They're not here for us, they're, we're here, they're here with us. We want to see the abolition of animal agriculture because we live in a time when there is no reason to kill and eat animals. A national outage caused headaches for international travelers today, air travelers that is. And the Canadian Border Services Agency says its primary inspection kiosks went down this afternoon, resulting in long waits to clear customs at airports across the country, including at YVR. Travelers had to fill out manual forms. CBSA says the system was restored several hours later and the kiosks are now back up and running. More now in our top story, the focus of the manhunt for two B.C. fugitives and where it has been for the last few days. And that, of course, is Gillum, Manitoba, where we find our Sean O'Shea. Sean. Colleen, where it's been a very uh, quiet six days, everything just changed in the last two and a half hours. It changed because police got a tip. The RCMP got what they considered to be a very serious tip. And as a result, they've deployed significant manpower to uh, a place called York Landing. York Landing is a very remote area, about 300 kilometers from where we are in northern Manitoba. It's an island. To get there, you have to drive from here to there and then take a ferry. But police are on scene right now. They got a tip that there were two men at the garbage dump. Uh, and the, the, the suspicion was that these were the two men being sought in these Canada-wide warrants, the two men uh, from British Columbia. So they are there now. Wild speculation on social media about shots fired. Nothing can to confirm nothing has been confirmed about that. Police have said nothing other than they are taking it very seriously. They've asked people to stay off social media. Uh, the local chief there was asking people to lock their doors and stay inside. That's what we know right now, Colleen. All right. Thanks so much for that, Sean. And now to more on what led to the shift to York Landing in the manhunt for the two B.C. teen suspects in three murders. Tanya Beja is tracking the manhunt for Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. Tanya, what's the latest? Well, Colleen, people who live in York Landing say RCMP officers are still on the ground and in the air searching for the two suspects. Uh, we know that Manitoba RCMP sent a number of resources to York Landing this afternoon following a possible sighting of Schmigelski and McLeod. The Bear Clan Volunteer Patrol Group just happened to be in the area driving around when they spotted two men scavenging for food in the local landfill. They thought at first that the men were workers from the sewage facility, but when they looked around, they didn't see any vehicle nearby and then felt something was suspicious. Here's more now from James Favel with the Bear Clan Patrol. They were doing circuits around the community. Um, like the whole, the whole community is basically everybody's holed up in their house, so it's very desolate. So they were just driving down the roads and, and checking everything out, and they just happened to be in that area at the right time. Again, we are waiting for an update from Manitoba RCMP, and we'll bring that to you as soon as possible. Colleen, back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Tanya.
In other news, a warning to Leadfoot drivers. B.C. is set to activate the first of 35 new speed enforcement cameras. Starting tomorrow, five of the new automated speed enforcement cameras will be rolled out at certain intersections across the province. The new cameras will ticket drivers entering intersections at well over the posted speed limit on a red, yellow or green light. Seven of the 35 intersections are in Surrey, 12 in Vancouver and three in Burnaby. The remaining 30 will be installed in a phased approach wrapping up next spring. As we were first reported last night on the news hour, Vancouver's popular Kitts Beach is closed to swimming. The latest water samples showed off-the-chart E. coli levels, and health officials say they have no idea why the bacteria count is so high. Kristen Robinson has more. At the height of summer, the water's off Kitts Beach empty due to skyrocketing bacteria levels. It, it really, it is pretty disheartening. You know, what's up with this? We can't even enjoy our water. People want to swim. They want to enjoy the water, right? And we can't when it's poisoned. Kitts Beach closed to swimming after samples showed more than 12,000 E. coli per 100 milliliters of water. Vancouver Coastal Health says a standard or safe reading is 400 E. coli, and Canadian Recreational Water Quality Guidelines recommend a limit of 200 E. coli based on five samples. It's a beautiful day and I don't want this to become a regular thing in Vancouver that people have to look longingly at the water and they can't go in it. Vancouver's combined stormwater and sewage runoffs can discharge untreated waste into city waterways. Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young behind a successful motion calling on the city to speed up the overhaul of its sewer system with a 10-year timeline to improve water quality. We're going to see more and more of this, so it's important that we take action now and we take it quickly. The link between uh, pollution in, the, in False Creek and, um, and combined sewer overflows is not really clear. There are multiple uh, reasons for, uh, for pollution. They should do something more about it than just closing it and like clean it up. Health officials still unsure why E. coli counts are so high at Kitts Beach. But the danger signs not deterring everyone. Yeah, you haven't seen anything floating around out there? That, uh... Uh, he dodged a few phony looking ones, but uh, uh, yeah, you have to watch out. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, Team India put on quite the show in their debut at last night's Celebration of Light. The music really makes it. Hundreds of thousands packed the shores of English Bay to catch the first night of the 29th annual fireworks competition. Vancouver police say the crowds were generally well behaved with just a number of uh, pour outs, liquor pour outs. Canada and Croatia are up next on Wednesday and Saturday nights, respectively. We've had no significant issues this year uh, with the fireworks. The crowd was well behaved. Um, everybody knows the drill down here. We've been doing this for a number of years, so everybody understands that it's a, a fun, uh, safe, family-friendly environment. That's what we uh, we like to encourage, and the, the crowd gets that. I was unbelievable. I don't know if you saw the end of that, but uh, they're going to be tough to beat. And first-time contestants, first time India's been here in 29 years, and uh, I think they're the team to beat tonight. In Alberta, Rocky Mountain House RCMP are investigating a deadly domestic dispute. As Josh Ritchie reports, investigators have one man in custody, and the community is now mourning the loss of a woman. 
This quiet community near the heart of Rocky Mountain House being left shaken. RCMP responding to several calls Friday evening about a man walking around this street with a gun. Now, upon arrival, police found one woman dead inside a home and a second woman with non-life-threatening injuries. A 28-year-old woman is said to have been killed in the incident with her 29-year-old sister being taken to hospital. RCMP say there were three children home at the time of the shooting, none of whom were injured in the incident. For this town, it's a tragedy that has members in the area on edge. Uh, everybody kind of knows the family and uh, yes, it's, it's a big shock and then she's so darn young. We're feeling a little afraid and worried about because we've had a few incidences in, the, in Rocky here like right recently and so our community is definitely changing and it's getting a bit more, yeah, it gets scary and we're wondering what's actually really going on with everything that's happening. Town Councillor Randy Brown wants residents to know that this was an isolated incident and adds they shouldn't be scared of increased danger in the neighbourhood. It is still a safe community. We've had one incident in God knows how long and uh, it continues to be safe. Now RCMP say the man suspected later turned himself in but wouldn't elaborate on the relationship between the suspect and the woman. Josh Ritchie, Global News. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders traveled to Windsor, Ontario today, saying it's an embarrassment that Americans have to go to Canada in order to buy cheaper medication. The U.S. presidential candidate joined a group of Americans with diabetes who took a bus from Detroit to Windsor to buy insulin at a lower cost. A vial of the life-saving drug typically costs $340 U.S. That's about 10 times what it costs in Canada. Saunders has, Sanders rather, has long targeted pharmaceutical companies for the cost of prescription drugs. We have three major uh, drug companies who produce insulin, who control 90% of the market, who produce a product which costs a few dollars and are charging hundreds of dollars for that product. And as a result, made last year 14 and a half billion dollars in profit at the same time is one out of four insulin users in the United States are rationing their insulin. That's a pretty crazy situation. A recent letter from 15 groups representing Canadian patients, health professionals, hospitals and pharmacists urges the federal government to safeguard the Canadian drug supply. A spokesperson for the federal health minister said the government is monitoring the situation. Italian police say an American teenager was illegally blindfolded before he was questioned in connection with the killing of a police officer in Rome. The California teen is one of two suspects in the brutal stabbing death of the newlywed officer on a Roman street. A disturbing twist after two American teens were arrested in the killing of an Italian police officer. Officials there now investigating this newly surfaced photo showing one of the suspects, 18-year-old Gabriel Christian Natal Yorth, bound and blindfolded. Blindfolding a suspect in Italy is illegal and officers say they don't know how this photo got out. On Friday, Italian police arrested Yorth along with 19-year-old Finnegan Lee Elder, both from Northern California. Family friends there shocked at the allegations. I hope to God that there's some missing link, some piece of the puzzle that hasn't come out yet. Police say the pair confessed to stabbing 35-year-old officer Mario Rega in a drug deal gone wrong. According to court documents, each blamed the other during interrogation. In a 911 call, a witness claims the suspects fled the scene. 
saying, how did they escape? On a motorbike? On foot? On foot, on foot. Police will now be taking a closer look at this surveillance video from Friday, which shows two people running from the area around the time of the stabbing. Elder's family says they haven't spoken with him since an initial call from the police station on July 26th, saying in a statement, We plan to go to Rome as soon as the State Department assures us we will be able to see our son. Meanwhile, a solemn tribute. The coffin of slain police officer Mario Rega on display in Rome on Sunday as thousands showed up to pay their final respects. His grieving widow prepares for his funeral on Monday at the same church where they married last month. Well, both suspects will remain in custody until the preliminary investigation is complete. And under Italian law, anyone who participates in a killing can be charged with murder, even if they didn't deliver the deadly blow. A lot at stake here, guys. A heavy landslide in northeast India brought vehicles to a halt, stranding passengers this weekend. Heavy downpours in the region slashed the hilly area and triggered the landslide. A truck toppled and damaged two houses on the roadside, then got stuck. Excavators are now removing the debris. Owners of the South Korean nightclub that was the scene of a deadly floor collapse this weekend have been booked on suspicion of negligence. A balcony inside the club collapsed, sending customers tumbling and trapping others. Two South Koreans died and 16 others were injured. The investigation is focusing on whether safety standards were followed. Two South Korean crew members of a Russian fishing boat returned home today after North Korea released the detained vessel it had accused of violating entry regulations. Uh, The Russia embassy says North Korea detained the 15 Russian and two South Korean crew members on July 17th for violating entry rules. Russia said the boat did not breach any laws. The Duchess of Sussex has guest edited the September issue of British Vogue. The magazine cover features 15 women, including New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, actresses Jane Fonda, Jamila Jamil, and Gemma Chan, along with climate change campaigner Greta Thunberg. The issue has the theme Forces for Change and features change makers. It also includes a conversation between Meghan and former U.S. First Lady Michelle Obama. The Duchess is currently on maternity leave from her royal duties after giving birth to her son Archie in May. And back to our top story, breaking news. Developments tonight in the search for Briarish Migelski and Cam McLeod, the teens wanted Canada-wide for three murders in B.C. Tanya Beja is live in the newsroom with more. Tanya. Well, Colleen, up until now, Manitoba RCMP have focused their search in Gillam. Late this afternoon, they sent several crews down to York Landing following a possible sighting of the suspects. The town is about 100 kilometres away and people who live there are reporting a heavy police presence. What we're learning is that three members of the Bear Clan patrol group were driving through York Landing near the local landfill when they spotted something suspicious. Here's how the group's director describes what happened next. They saw two men that matched the description of those uh, that that are being searched for currently, uh, made possibly scavenging food out of the dump. Um, They kind of weren't, they didn't think it was them immediately, so they kind of went about their business, and then they realized that there was no truck associated with activities at the sewage treatment plant, and that's when they realized that those two men were probably the ones they were looking for. Um, so they immediately called 911, or I guess uh, the RCMP, and let them know that they had made a sighting of them. 
Um, so now the town's in lockdown. RCMP are, are on the ground there. And Colleen, Manitoba RCMP have not provided any updates on the search since it moved to York Landing, but they are asking people who live in the area not to post any photos or videos that would reveal their location. Colleen, back to you. All right, Tanya, thanks so much for that. All right, Yvonne, we're going to have a story about a guy who um, was holding his baby in one arm <laughs> and caught a baseball at a game in the other. <laughs> this you have to see, but I want to see what your forecast says, too, because we had a beautiful night last night for the fireworks. It was fantastic. It was picture perfect out there. Uh, conditions comfortable for those who are out even later on in the evening hours. Here's a shot of what it looks like overlooking the water. It's been fantastic today. If you're into the heat, it was very nice. Uh, temperatures at 22 out of the airport. We bumped up to 22 and 23 for most areas if you're closer to the water. With the Humidex, though, it was feeling like 27 in areas away from the water, feeling closer to 30 degrees. So we're right around the average for this time of the year, but not quite record-breaking. Record-breaking temperatures for us would be into the low 30s. A few other spots today Coquitlam getting up to 27. It was hot into Chilliwack up to 29 degrees. The interior and southern areas getting up to 30 near Soyuz. Quinell today, 23 in Victoria, 27 Nanaimo, or Nanaimo, 27 degrees. We do still have a bit of instability. We've had a slow-moving system. And this is the next weather maker that we're watching that is going to move in across the province. Most areas along the north and central coast will be the target of that moisture, and we will be tracking that change on the way. By the morning hours tomorrow, there is some bright spots along the north coast. But by the afternoon and evening, it'll start to make its way in. The form of rain for most areas, and it is a bit of a transition. Day. It'll be wetter as we get in towards our Tuesday along the north and central coast. Upper level chart uh, has been the dominant feature or the upper level ridge that continues to build. It'll still be very warm and the interior temperatures will be bumping into the low 30s. Most areas across Metro Vancouver will still be around the average for this time of the year into the low 20s. It's the southern interior that will see that bump in temperatures tomorrow up to 31 degrees. Fire danger rating update. We are still seeing a few spots into the southern half of the province at moderate to high, areas near Soyuz and the southern and eastern areas of the island also included within that. For the piece, 23 degrees, a southwesterly wind, up to 30 kilometers per hour, so one more windy day. Most areas near Whitehorse will still see a chance of showers and then rebounding both Tuesday and Wednesday. A nice break in between systems across the north coast. It's late tomorrow and by Tuesday that we'll start to see that rain moving in. Caribou and central interior will have an increase in cloud cover by the afternoon tomorrow. Columbia and Kootenai, hot and sunny, temperatures into the 30s. Most areas for the Thompson Okanagan will be into the low 30s. And then partly cloudy for both Tuesday and Wednesday, but three dry days. Whistler, a range between 26 near the village, 30 for a few areas, and inland for the island, a hot one tomorrow up to 28 degrees. We'll still, still see the Humidex tomorrow up to 30 degrees for inland areas Tuesday Wednesday. Our five-day forecast, Colleen, looking fantastic with highs up to 23 for tomorrow. I'll leave you with this photo, a shot from the fireworks last night from Team India. Colleen? That, that is gorgeous. Thanks so much, Yvonne. All right. Uh, dad, uh, a man, I should say, who is uh, likely the envy of new dads just about everywhere. A man is making multitasking look so easy thanks to some viral video during Friday night's Padres Giants baseball game. In the air to deep left field for Sandoval. Back goes Myers at the wall. He leaps. 
Brooks, and that ball is gone. It's the ultimate catch worthy of any highlight reel. His 13th of the year. San Diego resident and dedicated dad Chris Rice catching a home run ball hit into the left field stands, all while holding his sleeping baby daughter. Will Myers back. He gave it the old try. Came up short. I was paying attention, hoping for some fireworks, and he hit one right at us. We caught up with Chris, baby Roya, and his wife Netta to talk with them about the clip now going viral. You're sitting there and got two options, you know? You can kind of like duck and cover and get hit with it, or I wanted to make sure that either I caught it or I knocked it out of the way, that way it didn't hit the baby. I'm so glad that he knows how to play baseball and softball and was able to get it barehanded. And I guess we have to also address the elephant in the room. The San Diego couple are huge Giants fans. So having a memento hit off the bat of San Francisco Giant Pablo Sandoval is pretty sweet. I feel very proud of my husband. Um, it was awesome because now we have the coolest keepsake to have in Roya's room and she'll get to tell the story for years and years from now on so it's just really special and then he protected her from the ball which was huge <laughs> and the baby's just is she sleeping can't well, figure that out either barely waking up <laughs> yeah so cute I thought it was an impressive play but to get into the Hall of Fame I think he had to have some a beer in there somewhere uh, it has as to be well okay <laughs> Not many, because, of course, you're looking after the baby, but Good you can points. have one outside. <laughs> Good point. What you got coming up in sports? Uh, I, I purposely left the Lions and Whitecaps out because it's Sunday and no one should have to go through that, okay? So <laughs> it's just all good stuff. We actually have uh, highlights from the uh, BC Little League Baseball Championships. That's some uh, great action going on there down at Hillcrest. We have the highlights of that. The Blue Jays finally traded. Marcus Stroman will tell you where he's going. And uh, lots of golf coming up. So a lot of Sunday stuff, baseball, golf. Sounds good. Things you do outside. Oh, I like it. Oh. It's been a rather intense day in the world of news, so mm -hmm. very uh, lighten well, things up for us, soften things up a little bit. This is as intense as it gets, baseball trades. Okay. That's not that <laughs> All right, thanks, Colleen. It's uh, now official. The Blue Jays have sent their ace right-hander, Marcus Stroman, to the Mets for two pitching prospects. Stroman was rumored to go to New York, but it was more the Yankees who figured to pull the trigger on a deal. The Mets are not even in a playoff race right now, so it's an interesting deal that he went there. Stroman played six seasons in Toronto and is having one of his best years ever, a 6-11 and record, which is not great, but his ERA, an impressive 2.96. Meanwhile, today, the Blue Jays also traded veteran Eric Sogard to the Rays just before their game. He was actually in uniform when he got the news, which is awkward, with the two teams playing each other today in Toronto. Sogard did not see action for the Rays. Now, if you remember yesterday, the Jays rallied from a 9-2 deficit to win 10-9. Today, Vladdy Guerrero with a two-run single gave them a 6-1 lead in the fifth. Guerrero hit a three-run homer in yesterday's game during the comeback. And then in the sixth, Vladdy's at it again, hits one off the wall and left. It's a double to score another run. Jays led 9-4. Guerrero 3-for-5 with four RBI on the day. But this time, it was Tampa's turn to rally. They scored three in the eighth and one in the ninth, including... This show, a solo shot by Willie Adamas, and the Rays return the favor, beating the Jays 10-9. to B.C. Little Leaguers have certainly been the boys of summer in our country over the past couple of decades. B.C. teams have won the Canadian Championship 
13 of the last 14 years. And of course, that means they get to go on to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the dream of any kid who plays Little League. Today in Vancouver, the provincial championship was held with the winner advancing to the Nationals next month. Today's final at Hillcrest between the hosts from Little Mountain in white and Coquitlam in green. Coquitlam led 5-2, but Little Mountain gets a run closer. A wild pitch. Aiden Bellchamber races to third, and then when the throw gets into left, he comes around to score. So Little Mountain within two at 5-3. In the sixth, they had the tying run at first, but Coquitlam pitcher Brady Dorwart gets the shallow fly ball caught by Nathan Lowe, and Coquitlam wins the BC Little League Championship 5-3 over Little Mountain. So Coquitlam advances to the Canadian Championship August 1st to 10th in Ancaster, Ontario. Golf now, final round of the WGC St. Jude from Memphis. That's Brooks Kepka's parking stall an hour before his tee time. Still hadn't shown up with about 45 minutes to go. Brooks was there. He said he always shows up around that time on Sunday. Doesn't need a long warm-up. Kepka in the final pairing with Rory McIlroy. Kepka was busy early, already two under for his round when he gets another birdie on the sixth. He's got a two-shot lead over McIlroy, then at 10. Kepka with short iron in hand from 143 yards out. That's a great shot to about eight feet. And then Kepka will finish the job by dropping in his fourth birdie of the day. Gets to 15 under. He is comfortably in front. Meanwhile, McElroy, who shot eight under 62 yesterday, could not get anything going today. Parred his first 11 holes and then at 12 finds the bunker. He made a bogey there. Rory shoots 71 today finishes tied for fourth at 11 under. So a disappointing Sunday for Rory. Kepka, meanwhile, showed why he's the world number one and the FedEx Cup points leader. Puts it away with this birdie at 17. A bogey-free five under 65 as Kepka wins the WGC FedEx St. Jude by three shots. His third win of the year, Canada's Corey Connors finished tied 27th. 13 shots back of Kepka. Meanwhile, in scenic Lake Tahoe, the final round of the Barracuda Championship, Merritt's Roger Sloan started the day in fifth in striking distance of the lead. The Stableford scoring system, so you get points for birdies and eagles, lose points for bogeys. Sloan, nice birdie at the fourth. His third straight got him up to 35 points. 54-hole leader Troy Merritt at the par 3-7th. Almost a hole-in-one, but he got the birdie and two points. He retained his lead. Meanwhile, Sloan at the ninth hit his approach into the rough, but makes a, a great chip shot out of the thick stuff to salvage his par. He gets zero points for a par, but at least he didn't drop any by making a bogey. Now, after he did bogey 10 and 11, a chance for a birdie at 12, but oh, he lips out. And he can't believe that one didn't go in. But on 13, the par 5, Roger's short birdie putt ends up with 35 points and a tie for 7th. Made about 105,000, now 90th in the FedEx Cup standings. So pretty much clinches a spot in the first playoff tournament. Surrey's Adam Spenson finished 65th. He will not make the playoffs, barring a win next week in the final event. Meanwhile, Colin Morikawa playing in just his 6th PGA event. Already has two top fives. Takes the lead with this great birdie putt from 30 feet on 17. Morikawa was the top college player this year and considered a future star, and he showed it today. Troy Merritt now needs to hole out on 18 for Eagle to win. A birdie wouldn't give enough, enough points, so he needs Eagle, but he misses. So Colin Morikawa gets his first PGA Tour victory, and he earns his Tour card as he takes the Barracuda Championship. 
Meanwhile, in France, final round of the Evian Championship, a major on the LPGA Tour. South Korea's Hyuju Kim had the lead until a disastrous lie in the bunker at 14. Chops it hard to try to get it out, but it rolls back into her footprint. She took a triple bogey six to fall out of the lead, and that cleared the way for Jin Young Ko, who rolls in the birdie putt at 17. Jin Young Ko wins the Evian Championship by two shots, her second major of the season, and she also regains the world number one ranking. Canada's Brooke Henderson finished tied for 17th, 11 shots behind the winner. You're away. Canada looks very strong in the pool for swimming events in Tokyo, or at least when it comes to our women's team. Canada won a record eight medals in the pool at the just-completed World Aquatic Championships, and our women won all eight of them, the last coming today. The final event of the world, the women's 4x100 medley relay. Canada in lane six, starting with the backstroke. Now, Canada hung in pretty well. The Americans took over late and ended up setting a new world record to take the gold. Australia and Canada fighting for second. The Aussies just get there to get silver. Canada takes the bronze. Our women with two gold and six bronze in the pool at these championships. Best showing ever. And Canada did qualify a number of relay events for next year in Tokyo as well. So a great success. All right, this is the German Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton on the pole, but... Charles Leclerc running second slides into the wall because of the rain and he was out of the race early. It didn't last long for Charles Leclerc. Hamilton also slides into the wall, lost the lead and part of his front wing. Sebastian Vettel will pass uh, Canada's Lance Stroll. There's Hamilton with his problems. Now late in the race, uh, Canada's Lance Stroll was in third place trying to get the podium, but with two laps to go, Sebastian Vettel with the pass. Stroll would finish fourth, his second best ever result in Formula One, but the winner, Max Verstappen, wins the German Grand Prix. All right, and we'll finish off with the Tour de France final stage, and Colombia's Egan Bernal drinking champagne. That's... uh, Tradition on the final stage of the Tour de France is pretty much a stroll. The peloton riding past the Louvre and the Arc de Triomphe. But as mentioned, it's a big sprint for the finish. Caleb Ewan of Australia will win the final stage, but the overall standing never really changes a whole lot on the final day. And Colombia's Egan Bernal becomes the first ever Colombian to win the Tour de France. Bernal with his Ineos team won about $732,000 Canadian for the victory. That's a long haul. They go about uh, 3,600 Ks in three weeks, and uh, you figure they need a break. Uh, and champagne. <laughs> and champagne, I yeah. probably need champagne, too. <laughs> Thanks so. so much, Barry. We have another update on some breaking news tonight. The possible sighting of two teen suspects in the triple murder manhunt in Manitoba. That's next. Stay with us for it. 980 CKNW turns 75. Tune in for a week of memories and then join your favorite CKNW personalities Thursday, August 15th and celebrate 75 years of Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. Okay, we want to update you on a breaking story we have been covering throughout the newscast, a major development in the search for two Port Alberni teens wanted in connection with three homicides in northern B.C. Tanya Beja has details on the possible sighting of Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod. Tanya, what have you learned?
Well, Colleen, we just heard from Manitoba RCMP and they say nobody is in custody yet, but they are using all resources necessary in their investigation. Uh, up until now, their search for Schmigelski and McLeod was focused in Gillam, but late this afternoon, they sent several teams down to York Landing, about 100 kilometres away. We've been speaking with people on the ground there. They describe a heavy police presence, including a, a helicopter hovering above the community. What we're learning is that three members of the Bear Clan Volunteer Patrol Group were in the community looking for the suspects. They spotted two men who looked like Schmigelski and McLeod scavenging for food in the landfill. And here is how their director, James Favel, describes what happened next. When they saw the two men, they thought maybe it was workers from the sewage treatment plant. But then they looked and they didn't see a truck that would be associated with that kind of activity. So then they refocused their uh, their attention on those guys by the garbage dump. When the guys at the garbage dump uh, recognized that they were spotted, they bolted across uh, the road towards the lagoon, then into a tree line and disappeared. Again, a very heavy police presence on the ground and in the air in York Landing right now. We will continue to monitor the investigation this evening. Colleen, back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Tanya. And to other breaking news now, a large cloud of smoke can be seen in Port Moody tonight. Have a look at this. This is a picture of the smoke witnesses say is believed to be from a fire burning near the lumber mill, possibly an empty business. Fire crews are on scene. Traffic near Clark Street in between Queens and Kyle is impacted. The fire has also triggered a power outage. About 1,800 BC Hydro customers in Port Moody, Coquitlam and Burnaby are affected at this hour. No word on the cause or if anyone has been hurt. And RCMP and Coquitlam are asking for your help in finding a missing, missing person. Michael Week is a high-risk missing person and was last seen this morning in Coquitlam. Week is described as 41 years old, a white male who has Down syndrome. He has blue eyes and blonde hair in a buzz cut. He is 5'7 and weighs 166 pounds. Michael was last seen wearing a gray baseball cap with the word Cadillac on the front, a Backstreet Boys hoodie with a Backstreet Boys t-shirt and uh, with the logo on it and blue jeans. Now, if you see him, you are asked to call police and please stay with him until they arrive. All right, a quick look at the weather situation. Final look at your five-day forecast. Be prepared. Another hot day to kick things off for the beginning of the work week. Areas away from the water tomorrow, 27, but with the Humidex, it'll feel closer to 30 degrees. So we've got a fantastic five-day forecast. It's if you're into the heat. It's going to be dry and sunny over the next little while. Wednesday, a very slight chance that we could see an isolated shower. We may get more cloud cover. Breaks up quite quickly, and then it's Thursday, Friday. Temperatures will start to soar. Interior areas will see the temperatures into the low 30s, so it's hot, and it is summer-like out there for many areas. Cool weather for mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. All right, Jordan will have the last, latest on the manhunt on BC1 tonight and at 11 o'clock. We leave you now with the sights and sounds of last night's celebration of light. Thanks for joining us.